0: Hey, good morning, welcome to Community of Faith. Would you stand with us here in the room? We're gonna sing and worship together. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us. Hey, where we're headed this morning is simply putting our eyes on Jesus, trying to spend time in his presence to worship him for who he is. And this first song is a reminder that we can stand firmly on the solid rock, which is Christ. Let's sing together. He's worthy of our praise this morning.
1: Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand And everything around me shaking Oh, I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Oh, He's never let me down So I would he fail now. He won't. Oh, no, he won't. I still got joy. I still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under. I'm not. my life on Jesus, oh, he's never let me down, he's faithful in every season, so I would he fail now, he won't, oh, no, he won't, he won't, he won't. Yes, he won't.
0: about our circumstances because we're rooted on him. We look to him together.
1: Rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. I'm safe, oh, I'm safe with you. I'm
0: gonna make it. Remind yourself of that today. Rain.
1: Must be He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't.
0: As we continue to worship today, we're going to take communion together. And just a reminder: when we gather. On Sundays, we're gathering to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, what he's done on our behalf, and then to respond together to him. And so when we take communion today, we're doing just that. We're reminding ourselves, what has Jesus accomplished for us? And I want to read a passage out of Romans 6. It says this, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The miracle of this passage is simply the reminder that because of nothing that we have done, but only what Christ has done, we have been made not dead but alive and a new creation in the sight of god and so as we take communion today we thank him we thank him for his body that was broken for us So we take the bread as a reminder of it we thank him for the blood of jesus poured out on the cross represented by the cup and then we respond in worship together to him so on your own time take communion with a grateful heart thank the lord that you are not dead in his sight but alive christ has made you new And then we're going to sing a new song together that just calls us to respond with praise. So take just a moment. Take communion. Thank God. And then let's sing together again.
1: gave your life for mine, nailed to the cross, you
0: crucified, all my sin and shame, it
1: was washed by your mercy, thank you God. You are the treasure I find,
0: my reason for living
1: so late my life an offering
0: to the one who is worthy. This is our response to him. Sing this. All praise to the Lord most
1: high. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ I King of
2: seated all right community of faith how we doing this morning yeah if you're watching online we're glad that you're with us uh it's just going to be a, a a good time welcome to summers at community of faith i tried to get them to play uptown funk when i was coming up here because they're doing bruno mars today and they declined and now it's too late now <laughs> I was even going to dance, but no, I didn't. Um, (laughs) They're so funny. You guys are hilarious. Um, You know, uh, we're going to have a little Bruno today, I think, as our summer playlist. We're playing some of your favorite songs and preaching sermons that have something to do with that in a roundabout way, usually, right? So um, I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, I want you just to sit back and relax and just... Know that you're part of the family already. And uh, all of us got a little uh, card, an envelope when we came in. And there's a place on there to put a prayer request. If you're here for the first time, I know my wife Laura would love to uh, call and talk to you this week. So um, if you'll fill that out, she'll be getting in touch with you. Um, If uh, you have a prayer request for any of us, please fill it out. We're going to pass the offering buckets in just a few minutes. And uh, you can put that in there. The staff is going to pray for you. Someone will email you this week and catch up and see how that prayer request is going. So let us know that so we can do life together with you. My friend Ian Rock has a message for us today that is, I mean, just, oh, it's right where we are and so powerful. So you're in for a treat today. Um, Let me give you a couple quick announcements. we have a blood drive going on You saw that out front If you came in that way And you can give blood They're waiting for you Right after the service I'm sure they're ready for you They're also doing this thing called a Match And they're looking for um, I think bone marrow donors Those of you who are have rare blood types I said well we've got some really rare people here I guarantee you so, um, But I know they're desperate for bone marrow So I don't know what all is involved in that They're not going to do it out there right now But they'll get you set up for that. And then we have our Summer Extreme Camp for our kiddos this week. Sign up for that if you haven't already signed up, okay? In fact, um, uh, someone just told me that they wanted to scholarship some kids so if you were thinking that it was just the cost that was keeping you from going someone set up uh, a little bit of a scholarship. So see them out in the lobby and uh, we'll, we'll work with you on some of that stuff. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for how you've already moved my heart this morning. I thank you for what you're getting ready to do with us. And um, God, I just ask that we would just sense and feel and know your presence. I pray for Ian as he shares with us that uh, you'll just give him exactly the words to say. I, I just thank you for what's gonna happen here in just the next few minutes. Thank you that you're gonna meet us Right here, right now. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll look underneath your seat, find that bucket, pass it, put your offerings, your prayer requests in their summer playlist at Community of Faith.
1: Or mumbling, I associate them with the sound of falling sand. It's a heavy lift with a gift so humbling. Always let the wella and the family fumbling, grappling with prophecies they couldn't understand. Do you understand? you the truth and the whole truth Bruno (laughs)
3: All right, how we doing, COF, we good? Little switcheroo, thought you were gonna hear Bruno Mars, and uh, for all the parents in the room, uh, you've probably been, like me and my wife, excited that for the past couple months our kids forgot about that song, and uh, now you're gonna go home humming it, starting the vicious cycle of listening to that for months on end. Hey, if I don't know you, my name is Ian, and it's an honor to be with you today. I've been around this place for a little over a year, and uh, if you haven't met my family, my wife, Gina, and my awesome kids, Sawyer and Tyler, uh, I'm incredibly spoiled uh, with an awesome family. So I'm uh, super excited to be with you today. I'm confident uh, we're gonna laugh a lot, I promise that. But at the same time, I'm confident God wants to do a great work in all of our lives. Um, and the reason I know that is because I, I wanna spend some time today talking about some of the things that we, we don't typically Talk about, not just at church, but in life. Uh, the little we don't talk about Bruno areas of of all of our lives. And specifically I want to start with with this. And this is a little interactive just on your head. Please don't repeat it out loud or say it to your neighbor. This is gonna be just you privately. You ready? All right. When you look at the statement, I will never be blank enough. How do you fill it in? When you see that statement and you think about your own life. Where does that statement land for you? Uh, The the battle that we all have with insecurity, with uh, insignificance, with inadequacy, uh, all of that begins typically around adolescence. And that's about the time in life where we start assigning value to people uh, and worth to people based on accolade or a trait, uh, an ability they have, their affluence, whatever it is. Uh, we start saying that somebody has more value because they have this. And that then begins this lifelong battle of, of this idea of am I worthy? And we start comparing ourselves to others. And it's this constant rat race of trying to be better than, or at least covering up the fact that we, we feel like we might not be better than. And so when I look at this statement, I think about myself, there's so many things that come to mind. Uh, I'm a hot mess a lot of times, and so this is just, a small appetizer of my brain. Good luck, right? So like ideas, I will never be talented enough, Um, funny enough. Uh, Real talk, I love making people laugh. I love stand-up comedy. But uh, 11 years ago, uh, I had my first kid, and as soon as that dad moniker hit me, my ability to make people laugh, just like, like did not work. My son thinks I'm like the least funny human being on the planet, like punchlines were replaced with puns, and it's just been a big mess ever since. Uh, I'll never be popular enough. I'll never be beautiful, attractive enough. I'll never be athletic enough. Uh, Real talk. Um, Clearly not this fitting image of athleticism. Uh, Not a lot of people that are like, ah, I wanna look like you one day, because I'm awkward. Uh, when I played sports in high school and actually broke my ankle playing sports in high school and when I say playing sports in high school uh, and breaking my ankle, I actually broke my ankle playing tennis and that requires a lot of a lack of skill. Uh, To do that, uh, literally had never met anybody in my life who broke their ankle playing tennis Uh, and then somebody came up to me after the last service and said, my grandmother broke her elbow playing tennis. So it's me and this guy's grandma and (laughs) Still not feeling good. Not exactly the affirmation I was hoping for. Uh, But lately thinking like, hey, maybe I should get in shape a bit. And so this week I went running three times, literally the first time in years I've gone running. uh, And I waited until the hottest, um, like the hottest days in recorded history in the great city of Houston to do so. Leading me to my next point that I will never be smart enough. Um, I'll never be over it enough. The things that have happened in my past, the things that people have said to me about me, the things that I've witnessed, all that stuff, that I'll never be over it enough, I'll never get past those things, I'll never be noticed enough, never be forgivable enough, the things that I've done, pure enough, worthy enough, and so for you today, my question is what, what goes in that blank? When, you, when that gets quiet, um, sometimes it's for me, like right before I go to bed, or it's in the car, in the shower, just when I have a place to think, that sometimes these things just come flooding to my mind. And so today, again, I want to talk about some things that are a bit uncomfortable for us. Because I know to some degree, we, we all deal with this. And we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy projecting outwardly who we want people to see us as, or a lot of energy trying to be the person that we believe other people want us to be. And we, we keep hidden the areas of our life that we don't want them to see. And the reason I know we do that is because I follow a lot of you on social media a little bit of a creeper, and I see the things that we post. And I see, like, on your anniversary, on a birthday, you go get a sweet steak somewhere, right? And you're posting pictures of it, like, look at this amazing cut of meat. And here's the deal, like you live in Texas, it is no surprise that you eat red meat, it's kind of a prereq to live here. Uh, And so you don't need to show off that you had a steak, we get it. So we show off the fact that we have a steak, but what we don't do is brag about the fact that we went to Taco Bell again. And uh, it's not something a lot of us are proud of. I know some of you, you are pumped out of your mind that the Mexican pizza is back and amen. Uh, we don't do that and i know at least for myself when i eat taco bell i just it's a thing i do in secret um it's a day that i forget lunch or didn't pack a lunch and i don't have time to go get something of actual nutritional value and so i'll jump across the highway go get it but here's what i do i just cram it in the car okay i'm just eating like like a monster just in the car and then i drive into the parking lot and i get to the building and i throw the trash away in a trash can outside i destroy the evidence and i come in and nobody knows what I've done. And I'm free and clear. I've uh, Been doing this for years at multiple places I've worked and in Austin, I worked with a woman that knew I did this and she would just see it on me. Not necessarily like the hot sauce, but she would see it on me. And I'd come in, I'd sit at my desk kind of quietly and she'd be like, you did it again, didn't you? Like, yes, Father, you know, like this like confession moment. Like Taco Bell and me, it's, it's whatever. Um, we'll post pictures of our beach vacation because we wanna show off that we went somewhere, uh, hopefully not Galveston, that we wanna show off that we went to a nice beach, uh, but we don't post pictures of like, you know, got fired today, you know, like, that's just not what we brag about. Um, and this tension that we feel of trying to project outwardly, that we have it all together, uh, that we're good enough, that we're beautiful enough, all these things, we, we do that. We so much energy doing that while exhausting the other half of us, trying to make sure that people don't know who we really are, the things that we've done, or the ways that we feel, the areas of fear that we have in our life. And it doesn't just stop with relationships with other people, it, it also applies to our relationship with God. That we, we wanna put this perfect projection out to Him of, of who we are. Uh, and so we're like, God, I drop some money in the bucket sometimes, I serve on Christmas and Easter, I go to church a couple times a month, I try not to say bad words, but I live in Houston and the traffic sucks, you know, like all that. So we kind of do all this, um, and, uh, but deep down, we know that there's some areas of our life that we just don't even want him to see or deal with. And so it's the areas of bias and prejudice and racism in our lives. It's uh, the fact that we have secret sin and addictions in our lives. It's the fact that our marriage is falling apart and we're a major piece of that. So we don't want God to know those things and so we just put all of our energy in saying, God, look at all the great things I've done. Uh, and if you are like me, that tension of trying to project outwardly who we are versus hiding who we know we really are is, is exhausting. That if we can project outwardly enough that we are perfect, that we will have peace. And so today, this is the bottom line uh, and, and we'll come back to this at the end of the message, is simply this, is that surrender, not perfection, is the way to peace. Surrender. Not perfection is the way to peace. It was never about us and our works to begin with. And so today, I wanna explore that a bit with you. And so let me pray for us, and we're gonna hop into God's word. Jesus, we invite you uh, to work recklessly in our lives in this moment. As we talk about things that make us a bit uncomfortable, that uh, can lead back into maybe some of the insecurity that we faced, God, I ask that through this morning, you can bring the total freedom that the cross offers us. God, that we can let go of the things that we've been holding on to unnecessarily. God, that we can allow you to shine light in the places that we've been keeping hidden. God, so work in our lives, God, we trust you. We know the Holy Spirit is here. We feel the presence, and so we invite you and your spirit to do a mighty work, God. This is all for you, amen. All right, we're gonna start in Genesis one. If you've got your Bible, you're not familiar with the Bible, open it up, some blank pages, open, you know, next page, the Holy Bible, next page, Table of Contents, next page, Genesis one. All right, so Genesis one, starting in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I wanna come back to verse four, and we're gonna make this a little bit participatory. All right, I know if you grew up in church, you were told just not to talk, but we're gonna do that, okay? So uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna read this first part, and then when we get to the highlighted, the blue part, read it with me, okay? and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness with just his breath. Out of nothing, he created light. He created day and he created night. He conquered darkness with his word. And what's really interesting when you look at the creation story, on day one, we just said God creates light, creates day and night, on day two, so as he separates the sea and the sky, it talks about the waters that he separated, so kind of the waters and the sky, the waters of the oceans. On day three, he separates uh, the seas and the ocean with land. And then on day four, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so on day one, he creates light in day and night. On day four, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars on day one, light, day and night on day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And if you are a logical, linear thinker like me, I look at this without this is like, makes my brain explode a little bit. That before he created the things that we attribute to being the natural bearers of light, whether it's the sun or the moon reflecting it, God created light and he separated light from the darkness with just his breath. And so from the beginning, God has been waging war Against darkness from the beginning, God has been waging war against darkness. And I mean, think about it just logically in your home. Like if if my friend Brandon in the back, he's running lights. If I said, "Hey, let's make it darker in here," it's not like he cranks up the darkness. He he pulls down the lights. Uh, make it more personal. If you're having a hot date at home with your wife, and you know you mustered up the ability to make dinner, and you do that, you got candles, and you're like, "All right, here we go." And you, what are you doing? Do you turn? the darkness up, or do you turn the lights down? You, you turn the lights down, you hit the very white. <laughs> see what happens, right? Um, so you, you remove light and darkness wins. You interject light, darkness cannot exist. And this is a theme that we see play out throughout the scriptures. This light versus dark, this good versus evil. And so in John chapter one, Starting in verse one, and if you are new to the faith or new to the idea of Jesus, you wanna explore that a bit, I really encourage you uh, to check out the, uh, the book of John. It's just a beautiful narrative of him and his life and his ministry, uh, check that out. But John one, starting in verse one, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and when it's talking about the Word, it's, it's Jesus. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Like there is power, power, beautiful and immeasurable power in the light that God has created. And here's what I know is true. There's a lot of us in the room that are familiar with church, familiar with the faith, a lot of us in the room that would say that, yeah, I've, I've chosen to follow Jesus. I've experienced his salvation. I believe that he can bring hope and freedom in, in my life, but I also know what's true is that there are a lot of us in the room that have a lot of unnecessary baggage that we take with us, a lot of weight of things that, oh, by the way, another point, that Jesus wants to redeem the things that we keep in the dark, um, but a lot of weight that we carry with us. Uh, Stuff from our past, whether things that we've done, things that have been done to us, abuse that we've experienced, the lies that other people have said about us that we choose to believe, the mistakes that we've made, and we take those things as a title and then we have to wear them. Um, We don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to deal with them. We don't know how to get rid of them. And so what we do is we take them and, and we hide them in a junk drawer. And uh, how many of you would admit to having a junk drawer at your house? All right, quite a few, also a lot of liars. Uh, And I know that uh, because 80% of Americans admit to having a junk drawer in their home, and actually to be more accurate, uh, those 80%, the average number of junk drawers in their home is three. So those of you that were too insecure to raise your hand because you have one, listen, you're doing fine. Those of you that have more than three, we're gonna have people at the, uh, up here at the end to pray with you. Let's get rid of some stuff. All right. Um, if, if it doesn't have value, dump it. All right. Anyway, so we've got junk drawers. Here's uh, just a little smattering of of what's in this one. Uh, my son loves buffalo sauce, so I have a random packet of buffalo sauce that we've been holding on to. Some pens. By the way, if you don't have uh, the Sharpie S Gel pen, I'm not getting paid to say this, but like you have not written in your life, that's true, a real endorsement. Some command strips in case you need to hang something, some binder clips, you know, because it's like 1944 and we still use paper. Uh, a rubber band, a Zaxby's coupon that expired months ago, um, a marker that has not worked in years, but like we don't know what to do, so we just hold on to it, it has like a memory. Uh, some. Whataburger spicy ketchup, limited batch, number two. Like, Just in case you wanna sell it on eBay one day, right? Like, You don't know, just in case the world ends, they're gonna be able to spice up your life. And so we take all these things, we put it in here, and we shove it closed, and we're like, all right. It's out of sight, out of view. And what's even crazier about junk drawers, who knew? Like, this is like junk drawer trivia day, right? Uh, what's crazier about that is that 35% of Americans admit to. When they move from one place into another home, they designate where the junk drawer is going to be as they move in. (laughs) They take stuff they didn't know what to do with and they take it with them and they give it a new junky home. Uh, It's ridiculous. Um, But to bring it back, uh, there are a lot of us that, that we carry things with us from our past, from place, to place, from a relationship to relationship, from workplace to workplace, from bank account to bank account, whatever it is, that we haven't dealt with, we don't know what to do with, we don't want anybody to know with it, that we honestly don't wanna acknowledge it's there, we don't want God to see it until so we take it and we leave it in the dark and we walk away. And I think about the times, that maybe you've experienced this, like if you have like a really bad junk drawer situation that like, when you open it, like, stuff flies out. Uh, I've thought about those times that we have guests over and they're like helping us in the kitchen and they're like, yeah, let me get a knife and they go over near and like no, no 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 like do not uh we care about your safety way too much uh there's gonna be shrapnel it's gonna be bloody uh, like we don't want people to get near what we keep in the dark um but, but i could just show like jesus wants to redeem those things. And it doesn't mean that the memories of the past go away, it doesn't mean the mistakes are magically gone, it doesn't mean the words never happen, but he can turn those things and use them for power in your life and through your life to other people. He wants to give worth and value to the things that we say are worthless. He wants to turn evil for good. And typically what gets uh, shoved in the junctures of our life, I've kind of put it in three categories. It's the number three, I'm a pastor, so we always have to have three points. And so the first thing is our fears. And fears are the things that when we talk about them and we have statements about them, it's, it's the I can't. Like it's I can't control this. And so it's not just like you're scared of the dark, it's uh, like for me, uh, the fact that, like, when my kid, like my son, is going to camp in, in a week or so, when he's away, like, I can't control what what happens. His physical safety, what people say to him, all those things. And and as a parent, that that grates at me, and I struggle with that. Um, we can't control what's going to happen economically right now, and, and I know there's a lot of us that are really stressed about that. Like, you can't control the stock market or the Fed, and it just keeps us up at night because we're, like if, listen, if you're dumb enough to look at your retirement account right now, like stop, it's not, it's not good for your health, okay? Like you will not sleep. But we can't control, we can't make that change. And so we have the fears of the things that we can't control. And I was talking with a friend recently and she looked at me, and she's like, Ian, I'm afraid. Like I'm, I'm genuinely scared of the situation I'm facing. And through a conversation, I was told her like, fear is the recognition that we're not in control, uh, but it's our inability to let go of the wheel. We live in the great city of Houston. We typically get a lot of rain. Who knows what the summer has been? Uh, But we've all probably had like the the beautiful opportunity to hydroplane if, if you're old enough to drive. And that's straight up terrifying. By all intents and purposes, you have control of the vehicle, like hands are on the wheel. When you start hydroplaning, you grip even harder. You're holding on for dear life, but you have no control. You are at the mercy of physics and however they design the roads and the drivers around you, of whether or not you're gonna come out of there unscathed. And if you've experienced that, your stomach falls through the floor, your hands are tingling, you, like you hold your breath, and it is terrifying. And so fear is the acknowledgement that we are not in control, but we cannot let go of the wheel. And so we take the fears, we take the things that we don't want people to know about us, the things that we feel like are more powerful than us, we put them in the drawer, we close it, and we walk away. The next thing that oftentimes we put in there are failures. And failures are the things that the statement can start with, I did. And that's pretty easy dot to connect. And maybe it's something as simple as as failing on a test and it messed up your ability to get into a certain class or college. Uh, A lot of times those failures are bigger. It could be uh, a moral failure in your marriage that led to a, to a divorce. It, it could be a failure in, in parenting, and, and you said the thing, or used physical force when you knew it wasn't right to assert power. It, it could be financial failure based on decisions that were made, and so a lot of times we know the things that we've done, and we have the tapes playing of the mistakes that we've made, and we don't know what to do with them, and so we take those and we keep them out of view because we don't want people to see us as anything less than perfect. I heard this quote years ago and it's been really, really helpful for me. It's a guy named Justin Davis, he's a pastor, uh, and he said this, that your fears or your failures can't define you if you allow them to prepare you. I don't know, it seems like cutesy and a little too tidy. Um, at the same time, uh, like if you fail, it does not make you a failure, it makes you, makes you normal. If you don't fail, that means you don't take risks. It means you live a really nerfed life. So failure is a part of it, but it's what we do on the other side of it. It's not something to be ashamed of as long as we learn from it, as long as we grow from it, as long as we allow it to be something that develops us. So your failures don't have to define you if you allow them to prepare you. And the third thing we put in our junk drawers are our comparisons, and that's the statements that start with I'm not. And I mentioned social media earlier, but about the past 20 years, you look at, uh, situations of depression and anxiety and suicide and the way that it is ramped up and a pretty, like the, the timeline has matched up pretty well to when the constant comparison game of social media has been there. I'm not saying it's evil, you can follow me online, like I'm, I'm there. Um, man, we are constantly reminded about who we are compared to what other people are or what we have compared to other people. We compare our cruddy Monday to the post of some Influencer who is paid to go on a trip, takes pictures of the amazing free trip they went on, and then say good things about it. And we're like, like my life is just not good, you know. Uh, and it's just exhausting, and so we're comparing our, our cruddy Mondays to beach vacations, we're comparing our burnt toast to avocado toast, we're comparing our blown out shoes to some sweet new ones, like, and it just creates this comparison trap of if I just had this or I just achieved this, if my family just looked like this, if my kids just acted like this, then I would be okay. And that's exhausting, uh, those of us that been around any amount of time, you know that there is no amount of things you can get that won't lead to a place that you don't realize that there's, there's more to be had. And so we just keep working and keep clawing and keep fighting for the next thing. And it's exhausting. And so we take the idea that we aren't enough, that we don't have enough, and we, we put it in the drawer and we keep it out of view. We wanna present ourselves as having it all together and friends if the comparison trap thing is something you struggle with like a simple thing you can remember is that there's no win in comparison Like you will never achieve enough be enough check enough boxes to where they all go away like there's no win in comparison like a lot of us like we we think about those things and we think about our junk drawer and we're desperate for god to come into our lives and have like a little bit of a Chip and Joanna fixer-upper situation. Like, if he could just come in there, knock down some walls, expand the kitchen, all those things, like, life's gonna be great. Like, we want him to come into our lives, into the areas that we know are messed up, and bring value and worth and beauty to him. Uh, We want him to perform a miracle. Uh, and, And Chip and Joanna are like miracle workers, and it's not that they do neat things to run down houses. The, the miracle is that they made the city of Waco cool, right? Um, they took a place uh, that just wasn't. They took a place that, on my drive from north of Fort Worth to College Station, uh, took my restroom stop into a place where bachelorette parties and girls weekends and people just go to eat and shop. Like, that's a miracle. Um, if you're from Waco and that offends you, I'm sorry uh, that you're from there. And uh, <laughs> I, like, we're, we're so desperate for God to do amazing works in our lives. Man, we, Here's the deal, I think before he can come in and rebuild and tear down walls and put up new ones, before he can change the paint color, before he can add all these upgrades, um, what you see in the creation story is that before he builds up anything, he starts with light. And so if we want God to do a restorative work in our life, it, it simply starts with just allowing the things that we've kept hidden to be in view. Allowing light to enter the story. Because again, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness can never extinguish it. And so, if there are things in our life that we've been holding on to and caring between relationships, whether moving and moving boxes, or we, we put in our little identity crisis backpack and we take with us everywhere and we feel like we can't run full speed because we're weighed down by it, 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 it doesn't start with working your way out of it. It doesn't. Start with perfection, it, it starts with the surrender of saying, okay, God, I trust you with me. I trust you with the things that I don't wanna look at, I don't want other people to see, and I don't typically want you to look at. God, I'm gonna allow you in to see the mess for who I really am. And so that creates a bit of tension in our lives. Um, and it creates some tension in this room right now because I think a lot of us, were thinking back to that, I will never be blank enough. And we're thinking back to the things, the stories we've heard, I think some tapes might be playing in some of our minds of the things people have said to us or about us, the things that people have done to us, the things that we've witnessed, the mistakes, the failures that we have, and I think we're feeling some of that. So you're like, cool, Ian, thank you. Like, came to church to feel good, and, and here we are. And so, kinda question is, what, what do we do with this? And so three more things, because again, I'm a pastor and we can only count to three. First thing, uh, live authentically. And what I mean by that is coming to the simple recognition is that it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's a statement I mean, we've seen posted online with cute graphics. Um, you've probably heard at church before that it's okay to not be okay, but uh, we we stop short. It's, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. I think sometimes we believe that maybe the mess that we've made or the mess that we have or maybe the mess that we inherited is just our story and we have to we have to live with it, and so if we recognize it, we just have to wear it like some sort of scarlet letter. Um, like it, it's okay to not be okay, but it, it's not okay to stay there. Like we've got to trust that we can work through those things, and that those things can be redeemed. It's learning to to love yourself, and this isn't like a self help situation. But I think some of us we have such a disdain view of ourselves that we have a hard time imagining that God could really love us or that God could really forgive us or that God can move past the things in our life that we've done. We begin doubting the, the power of the cross and his word. Gotta understand that God is absolutely crazy about you. And if we can learn to walk in that freedom, we can learn to accept ourselves for who we are in the midst of the mess and then only celebrate God's grace that much more and the identity that he wants for all of us. So the challenge is we live authentically. The next is that we need to live in community. And that's having real, healthy friendships. Kind of an easy way to sum it up is that we need to trust God and others with the real you. It's trusting God and others with with the real you. Like we were not created to do life alone. um, Because when we're alone, it can be destructive and dangerous. Like when we are the only voice we hear, most of us are not our biggest, you know, our own biggest fans, uh, and and when I think about this, like an easy way to illustrate this, um, it's I think Shark Week is coming up. I don't know that for sure, but my kids got a Shark Week slush, which is really morbid. It's like a blue slush with like strawberries on top that look like blood, and then a gummy shark, and my kids are just loving it. Okay, and just a lot of sugar, which is not helpful for my sanity. Um, uh, But this is like the time of year we all tune back into Discovery Channel, and we all enjoy the hunt. And so, like imagine there's like a group of gazelles around the water, in around the water, and they're just chilling. And then there's a lioness hiding in the grass, and she's watching her prey, and she's waiting for the right moment. And then in a flash, she goes. She's chasing after them, and the gazelles are just like, you know, doing their gazelle jump thing, and they're bounding everywhere. And then there's this stupid gazelle named Gary and everybody goes left, and Gary's like, watch this, and Gary goes right, and then what happens to Gary? He's a snack, and Gary's dead. Um, Maybe another way to think about it, any of you like scary movies? And if your name is Gary, I'm sorry, I'll make it up to you. Um, uh, Anybody like scary movies? Some of us, all right, all right. Uh, Here's the deal, like in the 90s, there's this kind of this trope in scary movies that the killer was always in the house. Like, it always had to do with the house situation. Uh, we moved on and it's got more morbid and those aren't my movies, but good for you. Um, but I was in the house and so like, imagine this group of people are hiding and then the phone rings. You find out the killer's in the house. Like If the killer's in your house, what is the logical thing you should do? Get out of the house. Some of you are like, it's Texas, it's my property. Like, we're not talking about gun, all right? Like, listen, like, not, my, not my scene. Um, the logical answer and the correct answer for this test is leave, okay? And so you leave, but everybody runs out except one person, and you know who doesn't leave? It's not Gary. It's not Gary. No, it's, it's the hot blonde chick. And what she does, she's like, I'm gonna go upstairs and hide in the closet. And then, you know, she's like, who is it? And then, like, it's game over. Um, Don't don't be the hot blonde chick, like that's my encouragement. And so if you're Gary or hot and blonde, this is not your morning, deal with it. Um, But don't be, don't don't do life alone. Like you weren't created to do it. Some of the most formative and most powerful times in my life have come across the table from somebody or in a group setting where I share something I'm struggling with or dealing with something I've never reconciled, maybe a fear, a failure, whatever it is in my life. And I share those things for the first time. And I'm not met with judgment, I'm not met with somebody saying that they won't be friends with me, I'm met with grace. And I hear, yeah, I've been there or I've experienced that, or me too. Uh, If you are surrounded by people who only know the projection of you, you don't have friends. Um, And if you're surrounded by people who only tell you what you wanna hear, uh, you need to make better friends. Uh, There's power in a community that loves you and sees you for who you are in spite of the failures that you may have, and they challenge you. They know that it's okay to not be okay, but they won't let you stay there. If uh, you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't have relationships like that, I wanna encourage you, uh, take a moment and text the word GROUPS to 28100. Small groups at COF are an incredibly powerful thing. They've been so good for my family, uh, for my wife and I, and even our kids, the relationships that they've formed. Uh, There's no like hocus pocus magic about it. It's just a group of people that are, are chasing after God and his word in the context of friendship. And if you don't have those real meaningful relationships, I encourage you, take a second, uh, text GROUPS to 28100. It, it will help you, my friend John will reach out to you and help get you plugged in. Um, it, it will help you this fall. Uh, so live in community. And then the third piece is that we need to live fully and freely. Again, we. A lot of us would say that we believe that Jesus is the only way, that he is the one that gives us power, that he is the one that gives us freedom, and at the same time we have this weighted backpack on our backs and we are trying to run full speed, but you know with the weight of it you can't and it's exhausting and it wears you down and it wears your body down. And so if you feel like you're not able to run full speed, you feel like you are not free, maybe it starts with with allowing God to deal with the stuff that, that we haven't dealt with, we don't want other people to deal with. Uh, you weren't c- created to carry the weight of life on your own. Uh, you weren't created to be your own savior, friends. Uh, it was never about you and your works. When you couldn't work your way to God and his grace, he, through Jesus and the cross, worked his way to you. You cannot perfect your way into peace. You cannot perfect your way into being okay. You cannot perfect your way into being the parent or the spouse or the human you wanna be. Because we are messy people, all of us, and, and I am the chief of that. My wife's not here, she'd say amen. And so coming back to this, we started with it, is that, um, I'll start with this real quick, is that the thief comes, only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, like an abundant life is what Jesus wants for you. I make these jokes with students all the time. I think a lot of times we think the Christian life is just saying no to a bunch of fun things and that's not it. He wants you to experience full life, but we cannot experience the full life that he has for us and the freedom that he wants for us if we continue to carry the stuff that he didn't intend us to carry. And so we started with this point, and we'll end with it, is that surrender, not perfection, is the way to peace. That we're willing to let go of the wheel, we're willing to let go of the idea that we need to be the ones that fix ourselves, that we let go of the idea that it needs to be us who are enough. And begin believing that the cross was. Begin believing that when Jesus said it is finished, that he wasn't messing around. Begin believing that you aren't the only exception to the power of the cross and what Jesus accomplished on it for us. It says later in the scriptures that if righteousness were through the law, like if righteousness were through your works and your ability to do it on your own, then Jesus died for no purpose. And you've gotta believe that God did not allow his son to die on his cross for no reason. So it starts with just opening our hands and saying, Jesus, I trust you. God, I trust you with a mess and I trust that you can replace the things that I keep in the dark with, with your likeness. It doesn't mean that the hard things go away. It doesn't mean that the pain goes away immediately. You can redeem those moments. And if you're sitting in the room and you feel like you've done too much, you've said too much, you believe too much, you have too much doubt, whatever it is in your life, you just need a little bit of encouragement as we wrap up. Just the simple truth that Jesus hasn't given up on you. Maybe your word today. If, if you need to know that you are lovable and that you have value, God gave everything to have you. If you need to know that you're worth pursuing. He's been chasing you from the beginning. The cross is more than enough for each of us. When we didn't deserve it, when we couldn't earn it, he made a way for us. So what I want to do is give us some time to to think on that Um, i know typically the end of messages we all hit the eject button and we fly out of here really quick listen i did not talk as long as mark and wes do like we've got time um (laughs) still learned a lot we're good um and so we've got time and so band is going to lead us um, but also our some of our staff and volunteers are going to come up and if you've got something in your life and you just need somebody to pray for you you don't have to spill your guts this isn't confessional we have people that would love to pray for you and pray for that freedom in your life. Maybe it's something that you, do, you grab a spouse or a friend and come with them if you're scared to come on your own, or maybe you pray with them in your seats. Maybe it's something that you need to work on your own with him. Maybe for the rest of us, we need to stand and declare what Jesus has done once and for all in our lives and trust that when he said he is enough, that he is. That you don't have to be enough. You don't have it all together. You don't have to have it all there. Like he, he is enough for you and for me, and at least for me, that's good news today. So what I wanna do is ask that you stand right now. I wanna pray a prayer blessing over you. Uh, Our volunteers are gonna kinda move into place, and then uh, as I say, amen, we're gonna begin singing. If you want somebody to pray for you, you have the freedom in this time uh, to come forward and get that. So let me pray for us, Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for this morning and the opportunity to tell people about you and the way that you love me. God, I ask that in the same way that you've changed my life, God, that you can move and change others. God, so allow us to experience hope and freedom. God, allow us to live fully and freely. God, trusting that when you said you are enough, that you are. God, so in this moment, we ask that you continue to work. God, we give you access to put the light in the places that we've kept hidden. God, and this is for you and because of you, God, because of Jesus, we thank you. Amen.
1: Take the broken things and raise them to glory. my voice and shock. you conquered it all, we praise you. Let's sing this out together one more time. Because you are my champion. Just our voices. And giants fall when you stand undefeated. How of your name i seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all
2: Amen. aren't you glad you came today give Ian a hand appreciate Ian God's favor is on him I can tell just by the hairline that God's favor is on him, but uh, I'm more excited. Let me just tell you, as your pastor, I'm more excited about this fall than any other time in the history of our church, and we've had an amazing history, but it starts with that surrender today, and then we're going to be taking you through some different uh, small groups, also mid-sized groups, some things over in the multi-purpose room, even on Sunday morning how to get over trauma, how to get over shame. Uh, you know, even a lot of the fights that you're having with a significant other in your life, it's not with them really. It's Sometimes it's with your past. And I'm excited about what God's gonna do. So I want you to be here with us. Let's hit the fall hard. I love you, community of faith. I want you to have a great weekend and uh, go home, think about this. Give that up, surrender, and let's move forward with God. You have a great weekend.